Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. I am so excited to be here with Anna Rieger today. She is a multiple entrepreneur, and we're going to talk a lot about her journey into entrepreneurship, her backstory, and her newest endeavor, Fliplock. Anna, thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me, Annika. Nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you too. So let's start at the beginning. I know you've told this story before, but my listeners haven't heard your story. What drew you into entrepreneurship? What is your background? Well, originally, I wanted to be a nurse and I went to school and I left school at a young age, went back to school, got my bachelor's degree and I was going to go into nursing, bachelor's of science. And right when I was getting ready to go into that, I realized that I needed to not work and go into clinicals and things like that, which was going to impede my working, which was going to be a problem for me with, you know, paying my bills. So I took some business classes and, you know, last part of my college career and I ended up getting entrepreneurship degree and I got some marketing classes and I just loved it. And going into business with my now husband, we started a business basically with me right out of college. We worked together on several other projects before that. And we did a company that was doing window film for commercial and businesses and things like that. And, you know, it was a good business. We grew it really as much as you could. And then you realize, you know, hey, this probably isn't going to be something that we want to work this hard on. And he was already in real estate and other businesses. So then he, you know, taught me real estate and things like that. And then together we went on and bought, you know, some real estate properties and invested and were able to transition you know, me personally into more real estate than into the business. But I learned a lot in the first business, you know, and took that knowledge into the second business and, you know, moving forward and all my other businesses has always been a learning curve, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that your degree, because I know a lot of times what you learn in school, it's not what's happening outside in the real world. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, in theory, everything is great. <laughs> In reality, that is a totally different deal, right? So they teach you all these things that are going to go in theory, you know, and, and let's say, for example, in business, but when you get out in the real world, you know, they don't go, hey, you know, you put all your money, your investment into this particular business, you know, maybe you even, you know, might even get into some debt or whatever. As an entrepreneur, you always take risk, right? But there's no safety net, right? There's nobody going, hey, if this fails, then you're going to, we're going to give you your money back, right? People don't see that part of what entrepreneurs do, right? You can charge up all your credit cards. You can get all kinds of debt thinking like, I got the next best thing since sliced bread. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, you've got to have the courage to keep going and decide, first of all, should I pull the plug on this business, which I've poured my heart, sweat and blood, my money into, or do I continue to do it even though I can look forward five years and say, this is not going to be a successful business, but then you really have to make that decision. And I think that's when, you know, I learned a lot more in business. So yeah, in school, they don't tell you that. <laughs> they just, you know, give you a little bit of overview of information and things, and then you're supposed to take that and figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you went from the window covering company uh -huh. to real estate mm -hmm. to Rockstar Wigs. Was that your yes. next business? Were you talking yes. about that business? So that was a business. My brother-in-law had it. It was a different company. And then my husband and I, he needed help running the business because he was a great designer and great creator. He just didn't know how to take the business to the next level. And so John and I came on board to basically help him and grow it. And we took that into over 2000 stores. 
you know, and made it a very popular brand where we were on RuPaul's Drag Race. We were in shows and our wigs were everywhere, you know, but even that was another, like the first business you start seeing like, okay, if we go to Party City and we sell to 2000 stores here and another thousand stores, does the numbers work, right? For us to be, you know, as involved in that. And then, you know, we did that for a long time. And with, of course, with COVID and everything, it kind of just that market has just really suffered. And so it's not something that we don't have anymore. We still have it, but it's not my passion and mission to work on that company. That was passion and mission driven for me with Rockstar Wigs was our give back program. Anybody has cancer, alopecia, trigger trauma, you can send us an email, send us a letter, basically just our application, and we would send you a wig anywhere free in the United States or anywhere in the world if you needed one. And so that was really what drove me to be, you know, incentivized to be there because I don't wear wigs normally, right? Except when you're Halloween or something, right? right? That's really what we are. And those wigs are, you know, Japanese synthetic. You can heat them, style them, curl them. They're very different in the market. And we still make wigs for, you know, big companies that we've made privately wigs for Disney and things like that. But you can't advertise that, right? So it's just something in that niche. It's a very, very niche, niche market. And so when you start looking at the growth of the company in the future, again, you have to decide, you know, do you want to continue to put all your time and hours and energy and your resources into that? Or do you want to, for me, go back and focus on what I know I can do well at, and that's real estate? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the interesting thing too is wigs can be really expensive for people going through the things you talked about, alopecia, hair loss, whether it's from chemo or other reasons, other illnesses. And so that's a real service that you're providing too. That was my passion because my grandmother had cancer and we were in over 2000 stores across the United States and international. We still are a lot, but people would ask like, Hey, I have a customer. And so we had the flyers and it was just something I felt good about, right? It was our give back program, you know, and it was just something we did that made us feel good because these women or people would send in pictures. Oh my gosh, this wig changed my life. For me, it was a wig, but for these people, it was really life-changing. And that just makes me feel so even to this day, if somebody contacts me, I will send them a wig because <laughs> just what you should do, right? Yeah. Well, like you said, it's something small for you, but it's changing somebody's life. It's changing their outlook. It's changing so much of what we do in the world is how we appear to others, right? And then we internalize that. And so you're able to help people have that sense of self and positivity. Right. It's just such a great feeling to be able to give back in that way. And for them, it's a big deal. Right. Well, and then that leads us to your latest company, like I said, Serial Entrepreneur, (laughs) which is definitely something that's such an important topic. And as a mother as well, something I feel is very near and dear to my heart. So let's talk about Fliplock. What is Fliplock? And why did you decide to add another company to your already robust portfolio? Well, Fliplock, again, is very mission-driven for me. So mission-driven companies really excite me and motivate me. And I don't feel like it's work. It feels more, I'm doing a service. I'm doing something for the greater good. And why did I create that? Because everybody's seen what's happening in schools with school shootings and things like that. And of course, I'm a mom. I have you know six kids, but our youngest is at the time was in elementary. And there was a shooter situation in our area at a school. And I said to my daughter, like, oh my gosh, you know, when I heard that, what do you do? Like, what are you doing when you're in that classroom at that moment? Mommy really needs to know. Because if we get that call, we want to know what they're doing, right? Or if we get that alert. And so she said she's supposed to run into the classroom, get against the wall, turn off the light, and the teacher's supposed to lock the door and, you know, keep them safe. And I said, okay, how do you know if the door is locked? And she said, well, I don't. 
And I said, okay, I can let that slide. And then I said, so what do you do if your teacher's not there? And she said, I don't know, mommy. And oh my gosh, it was really, really an eye opener for me to say, oh my gosh, if my kid is in the middle of a break or somewhere else, she's not with her teacher. She's in elementary and something unfortunate happens in that moment. My kid has no idea what to do. And that means so do neither do the other kids. You know, and for me as a mom, it's like you go into action right away, right? You start thinking, what can I do? If I get that call, what's the first thing I want to do? What's the first thing that we want to do as moms, as parents, as dads? If our kid calls us, what's the only thing that we can do? We can say, is the door locked? And the last thing I want to hear is, I don't know, mommy. I don't. And that's what really motivated me. And I got my husband who's an inventor, creator, thank God. I would no way be able to create the device myself, but it was, we need a way to lock the doors. The kids need to be able to lock the doors. The kids need to feel empowered. They're scared now. We never had to deal with that when we were kids. It wasn't even, I forgot my lunch was my biggest like, oh, oh. <laughs> these kids are thinking like, oh my gosh, is there a closet in my classroom? Is there somewhere I can hide? How many chairs am I going to line up against the door if somebody comes in? When, when your kid's little, like in elementary, we know they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. What can we do to empower them to be able to go into action to protect themselves? How can we give them peace of mind, the teacher's peace of mind, and give us a sense of security and peace of mind? And that's why we created FlipLock. It's that device. It attaches to the frame of the door. We made it six inches big because I think it should be big, bold, and ugly, big and red. (laughs) device. And when they flip, all they have to do is close the door and flip it. And when they flip it, it then reminds them to call 911 because it says call 911 because our kids are not thinking, especially in an emergency situation. And that doesn't even go just for kids. Even if it's an adult, we need a reminder when somebody's threatening your life and you have 10 or 20 kids in the room, we don't know if, if the teacher's going to freeze or if they're going to be in the classroom. But I can guarantee you if the kids have a way and they know what to do, they'll absolutely go into action. You know, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas. So it's a relatively small town. My elementary school was a little unusual. We had colonies. So you'd have all first and second grade classes in four classrooms that were completely open to each other. There was nowhere to hide. There was nowhere to be safe if something would have happened. We were able to leave school and go have lunch or get picked up for a piano lesson or do all these things and have all these freedoms. I could never imagine letting my daughter go off campus for any of that stuff now. And I was talking to a friend's daughter who's in high school in Lawrence, Kansas, And I was talking about flip-flop actually. And she said, yeah, we're just trained to like, we're supposed to just throw our backpacks at the person if they come in. That's not going to do anything. How's that going to keep them? That's going to enrage the person more than keep the kids safe. So, you know, with FlipLock, it's not just the device. And, you know, of course, I have an unlocking mechanism. So people ask, what if the kid locks in? Well, we can unlock it for emergency personnel and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, it's a chaotic situation right now. They're telling our kids to throw stuff at the perpetrator to do. That's just trying to make them feel like they're in control. And the truth is we need a system. And that's what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for a standardized system with a unique alert that all the kids know this is a lockdown. We need to go and we need to get into a room and they need to be able to secure the door themselves without an adult present, period. There's just no way that we can keep doing our children this disservice by not giving them the correct tools to lock that door. 
I'm really pushing for that. Secondary locks in the classroom, they should be mandatory because giving one person a way to lock the door in that classroom, it's just unacceptable. You have 20 other lives or 15 other lives in that room. And I guarantee you, if you give my kid the tool, she's going to go into action. Yeah. Yeah. So what has the journey been like? Because this is obviously a very different product than Rockstar Wigs. You're not putting this into party cities and you know wig stores and things like that. So even mm-hmm. though it's also a product-based business, what have been some of the differences you've seen in how you have to market it and how you're talking about it with school districts and other people? Because you also have it for home and for businesses. Right. So for the schools, you know, it's a little tedious, you know, but I feel very mission driven. Like I said, I will go anywhere and I will talk to superintendents. And for me, it's the people being able to see how easy it is to use, knowing that it's something everybody can use, knowing that it's easy to get into if you have an administrator or emergency personnel that needs to get into there. And I think that speaking to people in a situation now, and unfortunately, every time I turn around, there's another school shooting, which is just, you know, when we first started this over two years, around two years ago, my husband was like, you know, when the next school shooting, I just couldn't even hear it. Like, I couldn't even hear it. I was just like, you're crazy. Like, I don't want to talk about this. But then you get Nashville. Uvalde. I mean, on and on and on. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it just motivates me more to go, okay, if we have a way for our kids to lock the door, we get this person stuck in the hallway, this person gets out and the least amount of damage is done. And that's the only thing we can do, right? And our kids are scared. If they see this device on the door and they go, oh, I can go back to being a student now because I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do if somebody comes into the classroom. I got that covered. Now I can go back to (laughs) And the teachers too. I mean, think about being a teacher. You know, teachers are quitting at an alarming rate. Why? Because they're scared to death and they need to be given the correct tools and given them a key to go back and put into a door. It's just not realistic. Have you ever tried to find a key when somebody's chasing oh, you and, running out <laughs> and trying to get you? You can't do that. And that's the problem is you need to make it already on the door, ready to go so that people have access to that. You cannot just expect people to go find a key. I can't find half the stuff in my purse. When it, right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. And now you got, you know, somebody possibly shooting and you got 20 or 15 kids crying and you're also fear for your own life. You know, why can't we give these teachers a way to protect themselves and their children? That's functional, easy to use and already available on the door. That's the key. Yeah. And cost effective. Right. The peace of mind alone. Right. Because some schools might say, oh, but we lock the doors. Nobody can get in. But <laughs> somebody wants to find a way around those systems. They will. Right. And it's not even that. The thing is, is sometimes it's a student that's already in the building. Oh, yeah. What's your answer there? Now my kid is in a classroom. Yes. But hopefully this kid can't go to the next one, the next one, the next one, because you've now locked the outside so secure that this kid is in there. And now our kids that are in the campus what are they supposed to do? Which has actually been a situation, right? So it's just thinking of ways to be preventative. And like you said, to your point about the finances, how much would we pay after the fact? Let's just be real. I have a lifetime warranty on my product because I believe in it. I've had it tested. It's over 2,100 pounds of pressure. And I've done many, many, many different ones because I wanted to make sure it was going to be able to withhold the pressure, be able to do exactly what we say it's going to do. And it's important to have somebody that's backing what they say it's going to do in the product to do what it's supposed to do. If you don't have testing and you don't have things like that, it's worthless. Anybody can tell you what it's going to do. But I can tell you right now, 2,100 pounds of pressure. 
we give a lifetime warranty. It's a one-time buy for a school. How many kids in that classroom have a cell phone that costs $500 to $1,000? How many parents would put $20 in to buy a, a less than $200 product to put on the door to secure their classroom? I can tell you right now, I know parents that would pay for the whole classroom or the whole school or the whole grade, right? Yeah. But people don't really know that is there. And so that I'm working on now. It's really trying to get the word out. Actually, right now, today, we're installing some schools in Illinois. And Monday, we're in Midland installing. And then in Boston, we have some schools. And we're just all over right now getting in schools. We have schools in Texas already, you know. And so it's just a matter of trying to get the word out so that people understand this is something that you can put in that's really like a capital improvement because it stays with the building. It's got a lifetime warranty and you don't have to buy it more than once. And when you were looking at ways to increase school safety, before you and your husband invented this product, I'm sure you looked at the market to see what was out there, yes. to see if there was anything that would be strong enough. Right. And the thing is, is there's things on the market, but for sure, there's one that goes on the very top. Well, I'm 5'2 on a good day. <laughs> and I can't reach that. Neither can my kid who's on elementary. Secondly, there's one that goes on the floor. What about if you're in a wheelchair? People in a wheelchair need to be able to use it. What about if you're on crutches? What about if the teacher can't get down on the floor? I mean, let's be realistic here. You're talking about lining up something. I mean, there's just other things that to me weren't as effective as we needed them to be as easily available. And then you got to find this thing to lock the door with, right? It's not right there already on the door. Because yeah, we went back and forth and this has been for years. You know, we talked about this five or six years ago and I was like, oh no, we're too busy. Somebody else has it figured out, you know, and then you see another situation and another situation like, Nobody's figured this out yet. We really need to go into action. And that was our action. And in that creation, we have other kids. Like you said, we have the home version and that's a whole different market. So a daughter who's in her own apartment, she just moved to LA. Actually, she's going to fashion school there and she's in her own apartment. And so we're like, she needs a secondary lot because anytime you lease a place, home or otherwise, apartment, whatever, somebody has a key to it. She's 19. He could, anybody could come in there while she's getting out of the shower or whatever. Our kids don't, they, they've been living at home, most of them, right? They don't know that there's dangers outside of them locking their deadbolt that they told was going to keep somebody out. So this is a secondary lock. And then we have our son in Oregon who's duck and, you know, he's got three roommates. Well, it's nice to have one on his bedroom door because now he can go to sleep and we can know that, you know, Whatever happens in that apartment, well, they could put one on the front door and put one in his bedroom. It just helps you as a parent rest assured that his room is safe while he's sleeping, you know, which is scary that you even have to think about all these things. It really is. It's such a different world. <laughs> right. And these aren't things that, you know, we would think of until it happens. Your example of university students mm-hmm. and some of the violence that's happened in the past couple of years with university students in their own homes. Because some creep who was in class with somebody or whatever identified them as an easy target. And some of them had keypad entries. So the difference with ours is it can't be hacked, can't be picked. Those are things that are important because you don't want people to use your technology against you. It's a false sense of security. That's why I'm out and I'm advocating for secondary locks in school. And I think they need to give secondary locks to our kids that are in dorms. You can use a credit card to open most dorm rooms. And, you know, the campus security is not able to be at every room all the time. And things happen. We all know that. Right. And something we need to be aware of as parents and advocate for our kids. Mm -hmm. Speaking of being advocates for our kids, you also have a petition going on right now. Yes, change.org. I'm advocating for seconds. 
advocating for standardization of the active threat drill in the United States because it's like a fire. If there's a fire and I'm in California, I know exactly what to do. If I'm in Houston, I know exactly what to do. But with the active threat drills or lockdown drills, whatever you want to call them at schools, I can, your daughter can come to my daughter's school and have zero clue of what to do. Wow. That means substitutes are going to schools and have five second or five minute overview of what the briefing is. They've never experienced it. And that doesn't make any sense. It creates confusion and chaos. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I'm advocating for is for more resources for mental health in schools, because I think that's really the underlying trigger of what we really need to address. But I think what can we do to move the peg just a little bit forward to try to make our kids feel safer and our kids be safer in school. And that's what Flip-Lock provides as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear, you mentioned a few of the schools that are installing, you said Boston, Illinois, Midland, Texas. There's some schools in Houston, I believe. Are you having to, for your marketing to the school districts, are you having to go to conferences, go speak to these schools one-on-one? What are some of the sales and marketing techniques that you've had to use? So what I'm doing is trade shows, and then I'm also going to school. So somebody might say, hey, I have some people here, they're superintendent. Or we, actually, what we've done is I have a girl, she gets all the contacts, and she'll email out every single school district administrator, anybody in the whole school wow. district that we can get a hold of literally. And we're physically emailing out, you know, our information about what we are, who we are, what we do and what we can provide for them. And usually we'll get some kind of a response back. And it is, Hey, Anna, I really love what you're doing. You know, can you do a zoom presentation? Because I know we're like really far. And then, you know, if we really like it, can you guys come out and show us, you know? And, and so that's pretty much what we've been doing. So I've been on planes quite a bit for the schools. <laughs> with people. I'm not kidding you. It's really a labor of love, right? It's like, you know, because I really feel truly strongly that this gives our kids a sense of security and I know it will save lives. Yeah. I know. I love this. Now, you and your husband work together on all of your businesses. And you mentioned that you have kids. Some of them are in younger grades. Some of them are in college. Are you getting your kids involved in the family businesses as well? Well, we never ask our children to come on board. We want them to really be excited and motivated to come on board because we really want them to find their own path in their own way and actually get some training outside of our companies Mm -hmm. before they come on board. But (laughs) Middle boy, which is my stepson, John's middle son. Now he was graduated U- uh, UT and now he worked for Oracle. And then he contacted us and we we're like, we were really struggling with our marketing online. We're different as a generation gap, right? <laughs> and so he decided to come on and help us head over the marketing. And he put in his notice with Oracle and has just been with us right at a month, I believe. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. It's great when you see them have an interest in what you're doing as parents as well. Yes. And our other son, the oldest boy, he's been learning the basics for some of our other companies where he can be taken over later, but he's got to get training first. So he's been there a couple of years now and he's doing really well. The rest of them, we're just going to let them find their way. (laughs) Wonderful. So what is next for you and Fliplock? Where are you off to next? What are you going to be presenting or where are you speaking? And how, as a consumer, I know we can go to fliplock.com and I'll put that and your change.org petition in the show notes as well. So everybody can just click through the links. Yeah, but tell us a little bit more about what's next for your journey. 
So for me, for the Flip-Lock School, I'll be going to a couple more districts and I have a trade show coming up. And for the home version, I'll be going on QVC in July. And I think in August, I have a podcast. I mean, I have podcasts coming up everywhere, but I am going to do a TED Talk in Sugarland here in Texas. Amazing. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. So that and just going out to other cities and meeting with, sometimes I can meet with the mayor or I can meet with the governor. It just depends on the city and the state and, you know, things like that. And also working with people that know about the funding for schools, how do schools get the funding? And so I really have been in the Capitol in Austin, you know, meeting people, shaking hands. Hey, we really need to put in a secondary lock. We really need to do this. And just trying to get people to hear the message that we really can do this. And it's not a big expense, but it does so much mentally for our kids, so much for our kids' security, so much for the parents. Parents are taking their kids out of school because they're so scared. But this is a way to give them a little bit of security to know, oh, my kid has a way to lock the door. Fantastic. Anna, do you have a favorite quote, mantra, verse, family motto that you live by that you can share with us? Yeah, never give up. You know, I came from very humble beginnings and struggled, you know, through a lot of my younger years. And I believe that if you persistent and you keep persisting and you keep pushing through that you'll get what you want. Things are not easy. Like you said, in school, everything sounds like, wow, I'm just going <laughs> to and there you go. I'm going to be this great thing. And it's not quite that way. There are, you know, turns and valleys and highs and really lows. And sometimes you just have to be able to stick those through because eventually you're going to get to where you're going and you just have to believe in yourself. That's really beautiful. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit of your journey and how you're trying to change things. Like you said, everything is very mission-driven. You can really see your heart come through in all of your businesses. And I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it so much. Thank you to our audience for listening to another episode of Your Brand Amplified. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and definitely check out Fliplock. And I'll also try to put some links to some of the places that Anna will be so that you can follow her journey and figure out how to get this into your children's schools as well. And with that, I'll be back again in a few days with another amazing guest. Want more? Check out amplifywithannica.com or follow me on socials at amplifywithannica.com.